My name is Colleen Getty, and we're doing The Journey of a Story, which is a show about writers and how they write and what they write. And today we're talking to Ellen Holtzman, and she's a psychologist and a writer. So welcome, Ellen. Thank you very much. Uh, so I guess the first question is, uh, how do you think of yourself as a writer? How did you get to be a writer? And uh, tell us a little bit about your writing style and, okay. and what you do. Um, I think I'm still thinking of myself as a writer. I'm still working on thinking of myself as a writer. That's not what my identity has been professionally all these years. I was a history teacher for a while, and I've been a psychologist for almost 30 years. And it's really only when my son went off to college that I decided I needed a project, and writing was a good project. So I went back to stuff I hadn't done for many, many years. I went back to writing history, and then I kind of got into writing personal essays. And so I've taken a number of courses. Um, and I'm still learning how to do it. I don't feel like I'm really uh, an expert by any means. And uh, how did you start? You had mentioned uh, when we were talking before about uh, actually sitting down and deciding that you didn't like the way that you wrote and you wanted to sort of stop the presses and take out a few books and teach yourself in a way right. how to actually structure your writing. So can you talk about that? Yeah, I was thinking after we spoke yesterday, I can't figure out how I didn't learn how to write in school. I mean, I wrote and I did well, but, I, but when it came to writing well, I think I must have missed something about how to write. And so there came a point where I realized uh, I was writing papers for graduate school that I really wasn't writing well and I didn't know how to write well, and maybe I compare, I read other people's stuff, I'm not sure how I came to this. And so one summer I took it, I had an incomplete that I had to finish, and I decided to take the summer to learn how to write. And so I got Elements of Style, E.B. White, and I got a grammar book, and I sat down with both of them and wrote a paper and then rewrote it several times and went back to the books to try and figure out how do I change it from the passive voice to the active voice, how do I do correct pronunciation. And I think that really uh, changed me as a writer, not only in terms of confidence, I just became more skilled. I think I didn't realize how hard writing is also. That was not something I kind of got earlier in school. And if it didn't come out the way I wanted it the first time, I just gave up. And somehow that summer when I had to rewrite and rewrite so many times, it sort of came to me that this is not an easy process and that I should be very patient with myself and with writing. And uh, it's, it turned from a chore, I wouldn't say exactly to a pleasure, but to something I could take pride in. And I think that that was a big, big change for me. And I think that is a good point to make. Uh, I think a lot of people think you somehow are born with a skill, whether it's you know visual art or right. musical or writing. And I think that's actually something I'd like to highlight of mm -hmm. you. Uh, and that is that you didn't just come to it. It didn't feel like something you were just born with, and but you decided that's a skill that you wanted to uh, improve. And yeah, so I think that's really important was. for young people to understand too, mm -hmm. um, that you you know you do have to work at it, and there is that work ethic behind it. Right. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, exactly how how do you write? I mean, do you do do, do ideas just come to you? Do you uh, are you given an idea as a professional psychologist that you feel you need to explore, or how do you, how do uh, maybe take one example of an article and talk about how that idea came to you and uh, how you sort of took it on its journey? Okay, 
Um, well, I wrote an article called Xenia, an essay called Xenia that was published on Cognoscente and WBUR's website. And that came as a result of a trip that my husband and I took to Europe. We went to several Scandinavian countries, we went to Russia, but when we were in um, Stockholm, we had rented these Airbnb, an Airbnb apartment, which is what we do everywhere, and I was traveling. Until recently, I did not have a smartphone. I had one of those little flip phones, and so I really couldn't make calls when we were in Europe. And we got to this Airbnb apartment, and it was locked. The guy was supposed to leave it open, and he hadn't left it open. And so we're standing outside this apartment, and I feel like I'm almost in tears because I, I can't figure out what we're going to do. We can't get into the apartment. I have no way to call him. And somebody, we were, went back up to the lobby, and a guy came down in the elevator, and I stopped him. I just asked if I could use his phone. And basically, this man adopted us for the afternoon. He took us to the pub. He introduced us to this friend. We bought beers. We spent the whole, we had a lovely afternoon just, you know, accidentally meeting somebody because we were locked out of an apartment and we couldn't get in touch with this guy. And so I wrote this piece. When we came back from that trip, I was watching the Republican National Convention. I was a lot of, watching a lot of people talk about strangers and fear and foreigners and how much that was part of the dialogue of that convention. And I thought back to our experience of how kind this guy was and how much he just took, he took care of us, basically. He didn't know us. And how wonderful it is to be a traveler and meet people who are kind to you. And so I kind of tried to piece together stuff from another trip I had taken when I was in China and just explore the concept of um, Xenia, which means hospitality to strangers. And when we travel, we find it everywhere. And I felt sort of sad and that that didn't seem to be quite as a concept in the American consciousness, I guess. Right. And I mean, and, add, and it's sort of a two-way street, too. So you wouldn't have been opened up maybe to that uh, kindness to strangers from the opposite side if you hadn't sort of left yourself vulnerable without a phone. Or, yes, that's right. That's, uh, yeah. Sort of just let almost, <laughs> yeah. almost your journey take you on whatever journey that's that right. was. Um, so, uh, you know, it's interesting, and from your background in psychology, uh, I'd like to ask you about what you think in terms of uh, using writing to explore philosophy, you know, like a philosophical, mm -hmm. which is sort of what that is based on, um, whether that makes it into the actual story or not, but uh, sort of to uh, conquer fears, to even just to really go through your own thoughts by writing Oh, yeah, down. yeah, yeah. I think that, that I think... For some of them, I think there's some people in the world that can think without writing, but I actually can't think unless I write. And so as I write, I learn what I think, and then I can incorporate it into an essay of some sort. And I think these personal essays in particular are sort of an interesting genre that I was not familiar with you know, earlier on. It's not really fiction. It's, sort of, it's a story that has a bigger meaning. And so you kind of create something out of your own experience and link it to um, some other concept. So I've done that with, uh, I wrote a piece about a patient that I treated with an anxiety disorder, because that's kind of a specialty of mine. And I explored a lot of psychological concepts along the way. What does it mean to try and do psychotherapy? What does it mean to be frustrated as a psychotherapist? What, is it, what happens when the therapy is not working? So it's kind of a vehicle for thinking about a personal story and thinking about its bigger meaning at the same time. So it's nice. It's fun for me to read. I love reading this stuff. And it's also a nice way to kind of clarify my own thinking. And so when you're doing your writing, how does that take place? Do you do it 
in your office at home, uh, kind of walk us through okay. uh, a project that you're writing. So I sit down, I have the laptop in the, in the study where I also do a lot of my billing and all the other stuff, and there are piles of paper everywhere. Many of these piles, piles are drafts of things I have printed out over the months. And I'll just, I try, or I try and get this kind of into the psychological state, and maybe I think this way because of my professional background, of being non-judgmental about what I'm writing. Because it's very easy to fall into a trap of thinking that I'm not writing anything that's worth anything. And once I start down that road, I might as well throw my hands up, because then I can't think clearly. So I try and get into this thing of, I mean, it's sort of a disgusting way to think of it, but I think of it as verbal vomit. I just write. I just write whatever comes in my head, and I try and be completely non-judgmental about it, and I get it all on the laptop. And that's kind of the initial draft. And I think I go through that quite a bit, over and over and over again, just to just get stuff out from my brain onto the page. And that's, I would say, the first step. And then later steps are about crafting it. But even then, I'll go back and forth between trying to do some crafting and trying to do more maybe free writing, because I get, I get stuck at different points, and I'm not sure what I'm thinking. And so I just kind of keep writing in that way. Sometimes I'll go sit on the chair in my living room. I'll get a pad. I'll sit, on, sit as comfortably as I can, because I feel like it, it loosens the brain up, and I can get stuff out more. And I think that, that I think the trick about writing is not to disapprove of what you write. It's so easy to do that. It's so, and that's, that's a recipe for disaster, really, for sort of freezing up. And you don't want that to do that. I mean, I suppose that's what writer's block is about, is not being able to feel OK about the stuff that you're writing. Right. And so when, you're, when you've done your draft and you've decided, hey, this is a polished piece, I want to send it somewhere, what's the thought process there? What's the goal? Uh, how, okay. how does that work? Um, that's another part, which sort of seems like the business part of this that I don't particularly care for. But at this point, I don't really know the publishing field that well, but there are a lot of online magazines, for, particularly for personal essays. There's literary magazines. There's sort of more popular websites. There's WBUR. So <clears throat> there are lots of places to send it. But the trick is to figure out which place is going to be interested in your work. And that's not always an easy process. It takes time to go through the websites or go through the literary magazines and see what people have published and see whether what you're writing bears any resemblance to what they're interested in publishing. Because people will reject your work. And, and this, I think, is an important thing to keep in mind, at least for me, not because it's not good, but it's not what they're looking for. And so you could save yourself some grief by making sure that where you send it is a place where people are looking for what you're sending. And so have you, do people take it right off, or have you gotten rejected? Oh, no, or no. How many times do you usually so the, so the current piece, which I'm revising for, I don't know, the gazillionth time, has now been rejected by eight or ten places. I would say half. I got very nice rejection letters. And I've discovered a, a nice rejection letter is when they say, send us something again in the future. Because I think they see some potential as a writer, even though it's not what they want to publish. So that's always reassuring. So half are that, and half are just, sorry, we don't want to. We're not interested in this piece. So I haven't given up. Uh, I'm taking more classes. I've read it again. I've read it to other people again. And I'm going to start all over looking for other places to send it. OK. And so what is the goal? Are you, do you just want to have, uh, for your own satisfaction, a published piece somewhere? Are you looking to maybe, at some point, assemble these and make a book out of them? Uh, is it so that you can sort of get your name out there for, your, for the business side of who you are and what your business is? Um, not, I don't you... think of it as a way to 
push my business as a psychologist. I think of it as um, there's a pleasure in seeing a published piece that to know that you started that and there it is, you know, out there in the public. There's a pleasure, um, <clears throat> like sometimes I'll, I have a book group, so I'll send it to everybody in my book group and I've gotten people emailing me, oh, that's just what it's like to do whatever I wrote about. And I thought, oh, what a nice experience to have to be able to write something that resonates with other people in that way. So I think that that's a motivation. Um, it's not money. For me, there's, I don't think there's ever going to be enough money. There's just not money in publishing, I don't think. Maybe some people could get there. I'd like to assemble the essays into a book at some point later on, but I'm sort of keeping the goals very short term. I just try and do it piece by piece and see what I, how far I can get. And I guess the other part of this, I'm trying to see how far I can get as a writer. You know, I started off what it felt like behind the eight ball, and I was already in my 20s. I wasn't one of these people that started at age five writing, the way some people say that they do. And now I just want to see how far I could go, how good I can get, how much I can learn. And I find that an exciting process, you know, to be able to still, at my stage of life, which is later and closer to retirement, to feel like there's something that I'm really enthusiastic about and excited about and want to get better at, I think is a great joy. I think that's a really good point because I don't, I think uh, in terms of the art world, uh, you think of almost every other art as improving throughout your lifetime, whereas, uh, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but uh, sometimes presumption is either you write or you don't. Uh -huh. uh, and I, you know, when you think of learning music, <clears throat> you're thinking, you're going to just keep getting better. That's right. Uh, whereas with writing, I don't know that I've ever thought of it that way in terms of actually just improving that craft over mm -hmm. the years. And I think that's sort of a uh, optimistic way of looking at it, especially for young people that, like you were when you mm -hmm. were younger and hadn't sat down and decided, I want to teach myself to write and write well, uh, that it just because you don't write well today doesn't mean you're not going to write well. Uh, later on. Yeah, I think that because it's very easy to get discouraged. It's a painful process, I think, I've discovered. I can't, not exactly sure where the pain comes from. I think it comes from self-doubt or how many times you have to do this to get it right. And uh, it's just good to keep in mind that it's the effort that counts. It's not really the outcome mm -hmm. because you can't control that. You can't control if someone's going to like it or not like it or you'll find a home for it or you won't find it. All you can control is that you work really hard at something and try and get better and try and improve. And, you know, I think that that's a, it's a fun way to, to live life, to work towards that. Right. And uh, do you belong to a critique group or how do, do you bounce this off? You said you send it to a book club? Uh, well, my book club, I, only, I send it when it's actually published. Okay. Uh, my husband writes, as you know, and he'll, he's a very good reader, so he'll read it. I met a woman in a class that I took, and we meet every month, and she's a good reader. We exchange stuff. I take classes. You know, and that's, that requires a kind of courage to be able to just, because when, you re, when you're sending it to people, it's at a very rough state, and you have to trust that somebody's going to be okay and kind to you as, as you're learning how to do this. So I read it at the classes that I take. Um, you need people to read it. I mean, there's a certain point where you've gone over it so many times yourself, you can't tell one thing from another. And so to get fresh set of eyes and somebody else's opinion is so, so helpful. Uh, so are there any other um, tips or uh, pieces of advice that you would give to writers or that you've learned over the years of being, you know, going into this journey of being a writer? Um, 
Well, I think you have to accept a certain amount of pain and sort of see that as the process and not let that uh, discourage you and c cause you to give up. I think that that's an important thing. And just, just sort of the things, like I guess I said before, that writing is really hard and it takes a really long time of revision. And, and so maybe that's another point to bring up, which is that a lot of people don't like the revision. They feel like they should sit down, write it, it's done, it's okay, it's enough. But really, that's just the first draft. That's just the beginning. <clears throat> and you have to feel more comfortable and not like there's something wrong with you if you have to revise. That, that's just the process. I think there's a lot of things that come with the territory of writing. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with sort of the discomfort, un uncomfortable parts. And so that's a good thing to keep in mind. Thank you, Ellen, and thank you for tuning in to The Journey of a Story. If you're interested in joining us, if you're a writer and you'd like to share your story and your methods of writing, please uh, contact us at The Room to Write. Thank you. Thank you.